Welcome, everyone. So glad you're here. We're going to talk about possibility thinking, the idea of really waking up to more of our potential, more of the possibilities that exist in our life. And maybe, uh, maybe a place to start is talking about, well, don't we already do that? Don't we already, as decisions comes our way, you know, look at all the possibilities and figure out what's going on and make great choices? I mean, that's sort of how we work in general, isn't it? Surprisingly, no. And with the help of Rand, our sound technician, I'm going to bore you with a movie tonight, but it's a short one. So whenever you're ready, we'll, we'll watch this short clip. This is a test of selective attention. <laughs> Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball. Only the white ones, the people wearing white. Just focus on the white ones or you'll get the wrong count here. How many passes did you count? 15. All right. Thanks, Rand. I did. <laughs> so, so that's that's fine. And let's turn turn the lights back up. So let's talk for a minute. First of all, how, how many people got 15? Okay, so a few people actually got 15. How many people got like 14, 13, 12? That should be most of us. And then, uh, you know, a certain number of people will get less than 12. And how many people saw the gorilla? Okay, most everyone. How many people, though, didn't see the gorilla? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So what I'd like to point out, first of all, is that the more likely you were to get 15, also the more likely you were not to see the gorilla. Not very many people can get the correct answer and notice the gorilla, which is interesting. I mean, a few people will, but not very many. And uh, the opposite is also true. The people more likely to have noticed and enjoyed the gorilla, usually they did really poorly <laughs> at, at the actual directions of the exam. Okay, so, what, so what, I guess why is this interesting in terms of possibility thinking? Sadly, we are not programmed to examine all the possibilities. The more focused we are on our lives and what we're used to seeing and the choices we're used to making, literally, the gorilla can be in the room and we may not even notice it. Now, the, the gorilla here being some of the, the possibilities, some of the potential for innovative ideas, for making great business decisions, the more focused we are on making subtle improvements in our own lives. Do we know what the idea of incremental improvements are, right? We, we work a little bit harder to get a little bit better results, or we improve the accuracy in what we do a little bit to, uh, you know, whatever it is. Or if we're an athlete, we, we focus a little bit more on our technique. You know, if it's bowling, we you know, try to release the ball more consistently, or whatever it is. That's the idea of incremental improvements. And that reinforces the missing gorilla, believe it or not. The more we put our attention on our lives and trying to do the same thing, but just a little bit better, we will miss all kinds of opportunities in our lives.
That's why some people just out of the blue will, will become millionaires overnight. It's because they have gotten out of their sort of box thinking and seized upon a brand new idea that, that really moves them up in the world or, or allows them to make a big career change or, or allows them to make some other kind of a life change that is fundamentally different. So tonight I want to talk about the difference between this idea of probable thinking and possible thinking. So probable thinking is what's likely to happen. And most of us, most of the time, are improbable thinking. When we imagine what could happen when we go for a job interview, we think about, well, what's most probable? It's going to be a job about like I have now that is paid about what I get paid now with the same kinds of characteristics of flex time or not. It's like what we're used to. It's what we see as being probable in the world. And if we don't have direct experience in it, we still use probability speaking, uh, probability thinking, because we uh, go by what other people will tell us. Other people will tell us, well, at your age, you really can't expect to make more than a certain amount of money, right? Or if you're a woman in this career, good luck. And so we set ourselves up for what is probably going to happen and we tend not to expect much more than that. Sadly, most of the time, that's where we're at. It's almost as though there's a, not only a glass ceiling, but a glass floor to our thinking. Anything that's, that's kind of too outrageously good, we tend to ignore. That's one gorilla that we just bypass on, right? It just isn't going to happen. I'm not going to win the lottery. No one's going to give me that new car. I'm not going to be able to achieve that dream that I want to have. It's above that kind of glass ceiling. We just kind of, you know, well, we just don't even see it if an opportunity did come. Now, the good news is there's also a glass floor, though, right? Where we tend not to also miss the opportunities that are given to us if they're within that range. So, so we're not going to you know, sink to the lowest common denominator of the planet, only our own <laughs> lowest common denominator. All right, so how do we move from probable thinking, that idea of what's probably going to happen? What's my life probably going to be like tomorrow? Because what's my life probably going to be like tomorrow? Today. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The same old, same old. Have you heard that phrase? How's it going? And someone will say, oh, same old. Well, they're in probable thinking. <laughs> it's probably going to be the same tomorrow. So possibility thinking is kind of a fun thing, and I'm going to read a joke because I think it will help us uh, uh, loosen up a little bit and get into this idea of possibility thinking. So a woman telephoned her veterinarian and asked him to come over and examine her cat. I don't know what's wrong with her, the woman told him. She looks as if she's going to have kittens. But that's impossible. She's never even been out of the house except when I've had her out on a leash. Well, the vet examined the cat and said, sorry, she's having kittens. But it can't be protested the woman. It's simply impossible. Well, at that point, a large tomcat emerged from under her sofa. Well, well, what about him, asked the vet. Oh, don't be silly, answered the woman. That's her brother. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Did someone say ooh? Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not alone. I said ooh when I heard that one too the first time. Okay. So why does this take us into possibility thinking? The idea is we need to start examining our lives from more angles. We can't take for granted some of the existing ways of believing and thinking and acting that we have always. And we want to do that sort of out-of-the-box thinking. We want to get somewhere where we can almost, almost as though we're backing up and back a little bit and looking down on our lives, down on our problems in a way, so that it's almost not like it's us in it. And so possibility thinking is starting to ask questions about the very tenets of your life. Do I really have to go to work in the morning? So it isn't like whether I like this job anymore, right? Because that would be the more common thing. Like we get up Monday morning and it's like, oh, it's back to work. I wonder if I could call in. I have those flex days left, right? And so we're in that position of the same old, same old, and we tend to feel that same old, same old, a more probability, or excuse me, a more possibility thinking would be, uh, what's this thing about work? Am I really getting out of work what I want for it, right? Is it, is it earning me the money I need and, and, and it's a job that I like? Or might there be something more fundamental to be done here? And I would say with the same with our relationships, right? Uh, many of us have been in some of our friendship relationships, some of our marriage relationships, for years and years, and it has a comfortable familiarity to it, doesn't it? Like with our besties or, or whatever, it, it, it's like it's that sense of, of familiarity to it, which is a sweet thing and a good thing, but is it really serving? Could there be more possibility or more potential here than what you think there are? If we don't question our assumptions, we're not going to get anywhere. So what are some tools that we can use for possibility thinking? Well, first one, and it's one that's used in the business world all the time, is simply brainstorming. Have you ever actually sat down, though, with the people in your family and brain, actually brainstormed a problem that came up? See, very few people do this in, in the real world, and it would actually be stunning. So, so maybe you've decided that the, the family needs a new house, right? How does that typically work? Well, the householder, which is usually the dad or the mom, you know, the, the one probably who's earning the most money, basically gets to kind of decide, and they try to get a little input from, you know, maybe uh, the other members of the family, and, you know, sort of off you go. What if the entire family sat down and really brainstormed the idea of moving somewhere else. No holds barred, right? Let the kids put in their two bits. You know, I want to move next to a playground. I want to move to Disneyland, right? There's no problem with that because you're actually learning what's important to all the different people, right? You may not end up moving to Disneyland, but it's clear that the kids would like to be in a place that helps them express joy and their creativity, right? You would not have known that unless you did some brainstorming. You may discover that your husband wants a man cave or that you're, you know, someone needs a sewing room or, or whatever it is. Without the possibility of brainstorming, you will probably end up in a house or an apartment that's a whole lot like, guess what? 
the one you're living in now, right? Because that's what you probably would choose. You probably would choose a new house or a new apartment that's painted roughly the same colors and has the same kind of characteristics and so on and so forth that might be a little more expensive or a little less expensive depending on your budget at the time and the reason that you're moving. But if you go on autopilot, you'll discover hey, it's kind of the same house. With possibility thinking, you could dramatically have a place that suits you amazingly better just by doing a little brainstorming with the whole family. No holds barred. Everybody gets to throw up on the board things that are important to them, parts of town that are exciting to them, ways of living that are different. You put it all up there, and not necessarily you're going to get all that, but just knowing what everyone would want is a huge power. A huge power. That way, if someone doesn't get what they want for one thing, you can talk to them about it. You don't have to wonder why one of the little ones is so disappointed. Well, you missed the fact that the most important thing was that she wanted her own room. Hello? Uh, it would have been nice to have known that, right? Another thing that you can do besides brainstorming is the idea of contemplation and visioning. Because also, one of the ways you can open up your creativity is that no-holds-barred idea of uh, communing with the infinite. So in the, in the science of mind, the idea of visioning is we, we kind of go into a light meditation and we just ask the universe something like, what is the highest and best new home for me? Or, or how might I best express my creativity in the universe? We open up our minds to a, a big open-ended question and just allow the pictures, the ideas, the words, the images, the symbols that are represented in life itself just to begin flooding your mind. Often it's a good idea to have some paper handy so you can even take notes as you're going through it in, in kind of a journal fashion. And when you are done, it's like, oh my gosh, where did these create? I didn't even know I was creative. Where did these ideas come from? Again, will you tick off every single one of them as you embark on a new career or a new job or a new relationship? Probably not. But isn't it good to know what was important to you? Isn't it good to know that you were making a conscious choice maybe to avoid newness? At least then, later on, you can say to yourself, no, I made that choice on purpose. I picked the same apartment again on purpose <laughs> rather than, holy smokes, how did I end up with the same man again? <laughs> uh, some of the repetitions we do in life are interesting. And when we do them from that place of same old, same old, we get the same results. One last thing that I would say, uh, we did a little bit of it in our meditation tonight, and that's the idea of the what if. A lot of times I think that we feel stuck a little bit because of decisions that we've already made, as though our possibilities or our potential has been narrowed down a little bit, right? Well, there's only so much that someone my age, my sex, with my background can do, right? Because I've been funneling all my decisions into, you know, living in Portland and you know, being who I am and all of those things. So you play the what if game. Well, what if I could do anything on this planet? 
What if I was married or wasn't married? What if I had 12 children or no children? And you begin to think of how your life might be different and you seize upon the ideas that are coming up for you that would make your life more pleasant. Now, does that mean you get rid of the husband or the children or, or you quit your job? Probably not. But isn't it powerful to know what you would like to do with your life? Because you can still have those experiences even with the wife, even with the children, even with the job, if you can hold them in your mind, if you can imagine them, if you can take it in, you can have it. If we don't examine it, though, if we don't even know that that dream exists in our heart, if we don't visualize those possibilities, if we can't have a, a place in our heart that opens up to say, oh my gosh, I could have a more loving relationship. I could have a more powerful job. I could, I could stand up and really be counted for something. If we don't go through that process of examining the possibilities, then we've missed out on the gorilla altogether. Then we discover that we may have gotten the right answer on the test, right? I finally got my retirement, but then what do I have to look forward to? So often when we pattern our lives over someone else's idea of what should happen, when we use the probability thinking, well, what probably will I be doing? Is that really what we want to do? So to bring newness into our lives, here's the key. It involves any activities where there is questioning, where there is play, where there is immersion, where there is making connections, and the wilder the connections, the better. Have you ever done some of those stream of consciousness games where one person will uh, like start a story and then another person will, will add in some more bits of a story and then someone will add in some more bits of a story? Like each person gets kind of a sentence and a fairy tale kind of thing. These are the sort of creative things that if you do them around a subject with your family or your friends, you can get some amazing insight into yourself, into the possibilities of life itself. The other thing I would suggest is risk-taking. All right, I know that we're a risk-adverse society, so I'm not suggesting anything that causes a physical harm or physical risk here, although there may even be a place for that. But what I notice so much about people is we're afraid of being viewed in a lesser light. That's, that's the kind way of saying looking the fool. And, uh, and many of us will not try new things unless we're already perfect at it. Now think about this for a minute. How do you get perfect at something? You kind of have to try it first. But if I'm not actually going to try something unless I'm perfect at it, do you see the problem here? We need to be willing to actually make huge mistakes. Uh, one of my roommates right now has decided that she wanted to learn how to refinish furniture. And my initial reaction, well, and she's not the kind of person you would think is handy at all, in fact. And so my initial reaction was, oh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, and I think her naivete at perhaps how hard it is to strip off varnish and do all this stuff, 
it totally worked in her favor. And she has turned out a couple really beautiful pieces because she didn't know that she couldn't. She had no clue how hard it was. I mean, I've done it before, and it was all I could do to say, don't even try it, are you kidding? It's like the fumes alone will all die. She didn't know any of that. And she has turned out a couple gorgeous, gorgeous pieces of furniture because she was not afraid of just trying it. She wasn't afraid of failing at it. The very first one that she did was a gloopy mess. And the second one she did was amazingly beautiful, right? She wasn't afraid of doing that first mistake at all. It's like, well, so what? I bought a piece of furniture for $20 at a, at, at a swap meet, and so that one bit the dust. On to the next one. So not being afraid to make mistakes, to really try different potential ideas and give it a go. And then do we feel not so good if we're not an instant success? No, it's okay. Even if we end up putting it up on the shelf, I mean, uh, is, is, is my friend Lynn really going to like do a lot of furniture? Probably not, and that's okay. That's okay too because it's getting us out of our same old, same old. It's opening our lives up to new ways of expression. It's opening ourselves up to trying new things. So when might you particularly use some of the techniques of possibility thinking? Those being brainstorming, visioning, uh, playing the what-if kind of games, uh, challenging yourself as to whether something is impossible or not impossible. The best time to use these, use these things are when you want different results. So anytime you're faced with a life decision, anytime you're faced with, uh, well, I don't know, maybe you're back on the job market again and it's not clear to you what kind of a job you want, uh, maybe you're faced with that idea of moving or planning a vacation, sometime in your life when you would like to really explore more of the possibilities, maybe you're tired of getting the same old, same old, that is the time to begin brainstorming, to begin questioning your assumptions. I'll give you uh, one example before we close tonight. Um, I worked for many years at the telephone company, uh, actually in the white pages and in the yellow pages. So uh, my job was so glamorous. I used to type in to a, a computer that would print out the white pages and the yellow pages. Doesn't that sound glamorous? And uh, so, so as you can imagine, one of the main problems was, well, we would get people's names, addresses, and phone numbers wrong. And although people sometimes weren't so angry if we got their address wrong, people sort of like having their names spelled correctly. It's the funniest thing. And you know what? Having the wrong phone number in a phone book is probably even less welcome. And so we used to get into all kinds of trouble by just typing errors, literally typing errors. So one day, uh, someone had a bright idea completely within the box of, well, we ought to look at this. And you can imagine all of the kinds of ideas for in-the-box thinking, for probability thinking. What probably ought we to do to solve this problem? 
Well, we ought to lean on the people who are doing that input, right? We ought to make sure that they have spelling bees and that they're well-educated enough and that they don't go too fast. And well, maybe if I literally just like stand over them while they type, maybe that would help. (laughs) Well, as you can tell, the the in-the-box kind of ideas, not as successful as we would like. Punishing people for making mistakes Not an ideal situation. (laughs) So one day, a group of us got together and we decided, well, it isn't about the people so much typing things in. It's about the mistakes, right? We just want to clean up the mistakes. Maybe we should analyze what the mistakes are. We discovered that most of the mistakes were transposition and typo mistakes. And you know what? You can write a computer program to find most of those. And so we simply wrote a computer program that looked for Portland misspelled. We wrote a program that knew when Lake Oswego ought to have vowels in both Oswego. And uh, you'd be surprised the errors that would come in, right? People's names with no vowels in them. And I suppose it's possible in Czechoslovakia, but in most telephone books, All words have at least one vowel in it. We ran the program that just did a vowel check. We found over 350 errors in the Portland phone book. So we got out of the box. Let's not fix the people, right? Let's fix the errors. Who cares who typed it in wrong? Let's find the problem and fix it. Out of the box thinking. I'm going to close tonight with... uh, a quote from Ernest Holmes. Uh, But first of all, just a tiny bit of homework. Here's another thing that you can do around out-of-the-box thinking. Thinking. Try this week, if you can, to ban the word is from your vocabulary. Let me explain for... Yeah, some of you are going, well, it's not possible. (laughs) Let me explain why this might be a useful idea. Is, the word is, is a completely probability thinking word, right? So it is sunny. It's just a statement of irrefutable fact. Uh, It is going to happen. Instead, if you can't use is, you're reduced to saying things like, well, the sun is out today. Doesn't mean it's going to be out every day. Instead of saying, uh, the car is blue, you're forced to say things like, the car appears blue under this light. (laughs) Do you see the difference? You are opening yourself to other alternatives. Maybe the car is green under a different kind of light. Now, this is a subtle thing, but it actually creates additional neural pathways in your brain that open up more possibilities to your thinking. Just by making this change, you will start to see more possibilities in your life. Is the car really blue? Do I like that color? Does it have more to do with the quality of light in the world as opposed to the actual pigmentation on the paint? Just by changing one little habit or using one different word, you will open yourselves up to new possibilities. 
All right, I'm going to close with a quote from Ernest Holmes. This is what he had to say um, with this idea. He said, How much life, abundance, goodness, truth, and beauty can we mentally entertain? This is the measure of our possibilities in thought. This is the mold of what we can accept. The infinite fills all molds, and it forever flows into new and greater ones. But it is the unborn possibility of our experiences that must give birth to it. Believing in a power greater than we are, right where we are, always available and always good, should we not say, I believe all things are possible with God, and therefore are not all things possible for me? Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There's one life and one goodness, one joy. This thing that I call God, because it's infinite, I know that the possibilities of life are infinite. I know that my heart's desire is, is here for me to have and embrace. I know that whatever has gone before, whatever choices I have made in the past, today I choose fresh. I open my mind to, to be able to wrap it around new ideas and new possibilities. I unfetter my heart to, to dream big, to question my, my existing reality. What would I like to experience? What would make my heart sing? What effervescence of love and joy is here for me now? And based on these possibilities... I make better choices. I make new choices. I make choices that propel me forward in a, in a spiral of evolution, claiming more of my joy, claiming more of my life, claiming more of friendship and love and abundance, tapping into that infinite supply of God. And as it is true for me, that potential exists for each person in this room. Each person here can shrug off the, the same old, same old existence and reach for the stars, to dream big, to picture themselves living a, a life beyond any, any choices that they've made, any position that they view themselves in life. The, the people in this room are free, free to experience whatever they choose in all its power, aptly supported by God itself. That is what I claim for these people, for this Rome, for these hearts and these hands. I'm grateful for this, grateful in recognizing God in all things, all those possibilities, grateful in knowing that we can choose anew. And so I release this prayer I release it into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. So glad you were here tonight. Thank you.